I'm Dean Foley, the proud Camillary man, and this is the Indigipreneur Podcast. So here with uh, Murray Saylor, who's a proud Torres Strait Islander man, and also the founder and managing director of Tagai Management Consultants, and is an acting orientated procurement and sustainability community specialist, trainer, mentor, and volunteer with over 20 years in the government, mining, and business sector experience in Australia and within our global village. In addition, Murray served in the Australian Army Reserve as a commission officer working in finance administration roles. So to start things off, Murray, um, could you please share a bit about your background and, and what led you down the path of entrepreneurship and starting your own business? Hey, um, thanks a lot, Dean. Firstly, just wanted just to um, acknowledge our elders, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders, um, past, present and our emerging leaders like yourself and, and other young entrepreneurs that are probably talking to within the audience. In regards to my story, as you shared, um, Torres Strait Islander Families from Dalny Island in the Torres Strait Islands, which is located in the eastern region of the Torres Strait Islands. And uh, in regards to my journey, um, a long one came from um, atypical, at that point, quite a violent family background. And um, single parent family, a lot of alcohol, a lot of violence, and um, I think a lot of, a lot of loss um, and distrust from my parent. And I was a vehicle of release for her. Even though that was happening in regards to that, you know, quite a violent and um, physically and mentally abused background, I always dreamed about how could things be different in my life, regardless of what was happening around me. So in regards to the, the company and where everything went, I made sure that firstly, that I knew that I had to heal. And so I um, went through a process of healing with my own mother and my own family and also around an identity as, as a Torres Strait Islander. And those two things, when those two things were sort of ticked off, it gave me the confidence and opened up my eyes and got me to not look on the ground, but look up around achieving certain things within my own skill set. And so I drove in regards to ticking boxes off from a career perspective. So I was really, really ambitious and career driven and had some really great family around me who, um, yeah, met some really, really great people. Anyway, so I achieved a Bachelor of Business at James Cook University. As you shared, I was in the Dharma Reserve as commissioned officer. I was in infantry and then it became in finance roles. While at uni as a mature age student, we developed a um, mentoring program for low socioeconomic brothers and sisters from diverse backgrounds and from overseas. Not for profit, just did it. Sort of through the career, went through, started in within the um, federal government tax office. That's where I secured my scholarship to do Bachelor of Business. And then came out of that, went and worked as a civilian within defense as a security advisor, which just sounds really, really crazy, having a business background. And had, had some really great experience within security intelligence, um, then sort of touch point within indigenous affairs. So I was part of the ATSIC graduate program, worked in housing, worked in program delivery, policy development within Queensland primarily, and then made a decision to go and work within Rio Tinto, um, Alcan at that point, up in a remote place called Weepa, which is on the, um, the West uh, Central Cape region, and into procurement sourcing roles, and then sort of fast-tracked from there. 2010, got a, um, a colon cancer, so I had three bouts of cancer that I've fought and beaten. And so the reason for me going into business was probably threefold. One was that I was tired of not meeting the social outcomes that I wanted to achieve in my job um, for communities with a white, black or brindle, didn't matter. 
Um, and then the other piece was to show my kids and my family another way of thinking in life in regards to, you know, breaking out a social welfare mentality. And then the third piece in regards to was a bit of an egotistical type perspective and was around going, I just wanted to drive something myself and break the shackles of being controlled by someone else and doing stuff on my own, letting my spirit sing. Yeah, that's pretty much about it. That's amazing. And um, tell us uh, more about your, your business. How did you get the idea or concept and how is it progressing so far? Yeah, so um, Togo Management Consultants was a realisation of working primarily within the private sector around the value that procurement and supply chain management I sort of foresaw as an opportunity to add from a social and commercial benefit for not just Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, but our diverse communities within Australia. So from there, while I was at Rio Tinto and when I eventually went over to another mining company, Anglo-American Coal, formulated this concept in my mind. My first business plan, my brother, was was that when I was doing my Bachelor of Business, it was called Sailor Consulting back then, that was 2002. And my second business plan was written on a napkin in a cafe when, when that was Tagay Management Consultants after I had been given a, a redundancy package. Um, and I was out here on the Brisbane River, literally at a cafe, just sitting there and wondering what's next. And I went, yep. Yeah. So I created a business plan on one piece of napkin. And basically, yeah, so Tagay came out of that particular experience around the private sector and also working in communities, you know, remote communities in regards to Everyone's so focused on governance and all those particular other aspects, but what they don't see is around how can we use other concepts besides business and accounting and all this usual stuff that we do. And I thought procurement supply chain was a really good avenue and the models worked. So Taipei Management Consultants, 100% owned Indigenous company, specialises in procurement supply chain management, business development, growth and sustainability, and empowering community development are the kickers, but it's all built around culture and how you actually apply Westernized educational and, and learning business systems that you can actually, on a foundation of culture, create social and commercial change. That's awesome. And um, for you personally, what have you learned from running a business and what are the key fundamentals to make it a success? Um, develop a business plan was one of the first things. I have actually have a key um, strategy on what you're actually trying to achieve, um, key mission, key vision, some key values that you're going to align to and always keep that in your back pocket because sometimes we have a tendency as entrepreneurs to, um, to go around and do everything and then we start to lose sight on what we were trying to initially achieve and it actually keeps us focused so that you don't basically run off with the fairies but you have a true strategy so when, you look, when the market looks back at you and going, yep, this is what they're about, this is what's actually going on. The second thing, my brother, is love. Do what you actually love to do if you can because then that'll actually help you motiv- keep motivated and driven towards what you want to achieve. Really, really key to try and do, and that's one of the reasons why I joined, um, created a business. I wanted to do something that I really love doing. Also have strong business systems, accounting systems, financial management systems. It doesn't have to be you know, elaborate or anything, but just have some things sort of help you manage the business because cash flow, you need your cash flow. And sometimes if you lose sight of your cash flow, you can still run on fresh air, but you can't breathe for very long without it. And then the other part is, the last thing I'd like to share is have some good networks and mentors and friends around you. Um, sometimes family won't understand, people won't understand you, but if you have a, a, a circle or a network of brothers and sisters who are like-minded, it keeps you motivated and keeps you driven. And it actually also decreases the negativity and challenges that come in your life as well sometimes. That's probably the, the, the key ones. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And uh, as an Indigenous entrepreneur, 
Uh, what's the biggest challenge you've had to face um, and how have you overcome it? The biggest challenge that I've had to face, so some of the things I'm going to share is probably, um, not everyone's going to probably agree with it, but that's okay. The biggest challenges I've had is I came into business without, I, I, made, I made a conscious effort, my brother, around not having any grant funding. So I created a challenge for myself because I didn't want to, I was trying to break the ideology and the paradigm around the reliance on a handout or a hand up and be able to show brothers and sisters, white, black, brindle, that you can actually drive some stuff without no money. So I created my business um, hundred bucks and I created everything else myself. So business cards, marketing, um, the business development, because it gave me an appreciation as a business owner, how tough it is, um, but also was able to give me some integrity within a marketplace that show brothers and sisters, I'm actually a working example of what you can achieve if you actually have that type of drive. The second thing in regards to challenge at the, um, that I faced when I came into business was obviously um, pitching the service provision into the, commu- um, into the communities around procurement supply chain, what I was trying to, trying to share. And I had to eventually unpack it because people didn't understand what procurement supply chain actually is. So I unpacked that to include areas of facilitation, community development and some other aspects but still was using the same type of methodology and principles around procurement supply chain. The third thing in regards to challenges is I came into business, um, and I still am, I'm still strong with it in regards to that I came into business on a, on a thing of, of what we share in the Torres Strait around Debbie passing or good, good fashion of respect, mutual respect, collaboration, develop relationships from a culture that for thousands and thousands of years prided ourselves on it, and I was naive. What's basically happened is, to varying degrees, in the nature of business, as everyone says, that you can't rely on that. I think that's rubbish. In regards to what we're trying to do, what am I trying to do as an Indigenous business or a First Nation business, is really hold on to culture, because how are we meant to sustain it if we aren't holding those values true to ourselves? But also in regards to how are we supposed to educate brothers and sisters that aren't Indigenous or First Nation, wherever they're from, around what this is what we're about if we're actually aligning to a or a non-Indigenous value system that just really isn't, isn't us around capitalism. Yeah, that's beautiful. And what advice would you give an aspiring young Indigenous entrepreneur who's uncertain about if he wants to get into entrepreneurship or how to validate his idea and get it up and running? I talk to peers and business mentors, probably the biggest thing. Because once again, like I shared earlier, um, it's about people that are actually in the space that have actually contemporary knowledge and experience around the space that can share with you not just the good news stories but give you the reality on some of the challenges and to be able to be more informed get informed in regards to doing your own research it's your baby don't rely on everyone else to be holding your hand and the support services that are actually out there but at the end of the day it's always going to be your business if you want it the other piece in regards to is discuss it with the family i know some families probably wouldn't wouldn't understand it and a lot of us that are within the space don't have family that we could we need to take them on the journey as well about what we're trying to achieve. And some families will knock us, you know, some people will knock us down. But we have to be mindful that we come from intergenerational trauma and complex situations that our families didn't even have ambition to create a business. We're a new generation, and new generations bring with it new change and also challenging the status quo. You are a change agent, you always be like that. And the third one I want to share is believe in your gut. Believe in your gut feeling. I know that's not probably a technical term. But sometimes the heart and spirit is a really great guidance and director in regards to what you necessarily, what do you necessarily, does it feel right? If it doesn't feel right, get informed about why it's not feeling right. And if it still doesn't feel right, after the advice you, you seek, 
and get offered. If it's solid, don't do it. Great advice. For you personally, what's the major difference between entrepreneurs and somebody who's stuck as in their job as an employee? I see them the same. As an entrepreneur, I'm an employee to myself, so I need to make money. And so in regards to it, I see it as one of the same in regards to that we're still to the business for an employee because we're trying to make money within the business. The only major difference in regards to our two spaces, which is an obvious one, is the, the level of um, control that we have and freedom in regards to as an entrepreneur. If you're an entrepreneur, we don't know what risk is. We're looking to the horizon. We're trying to aim how we're actually going to get there. And we aren't confined, confined by the left and right of our of what an organization's or employees require, employers' requirements are. We are actually thinking outside the box. We are challenging our fellow brothers and sisters who are employees around what's, what's going on in your life. We're providing them with support and vice versa in regards to what they see as part of their organisation. But overall, we are employees still as an entrepreneur because we still need to bring employees to our own business. So true. And... Um... What's the biggest uh, the changes you've noticed within the Indigenous business sector and, and where do you see it all progressing in the future? Yeah, I suppose the most obvious stuff, as we know, um, our brother is around the Indigenous procurement policies from the federal government, which came into action 1st of July 2015. And subsequent to that um, has been a number of other states and territories that have followed suit around that. So increased opportunities is probably what I'm sharing from a employment and economic space. I think this is probably in the last 18 to 24 months has been the largest concentration of Indigenous business entrepreneurs coming into the marketplace. It's astronomically incredible and in different sectors. So um, really, really great. What has been coming out in regards to just my own personal experience, and it's also been verified within the the narrative um, within the, the media is questions always going to be is us as Indigenous entrepreneurs, how can we influence our brothers and sisters in communities, either in urban, regional or remote areas? It's the remote areas. We've seen what happened, what happened over in WA around the closures. And, and part of that is around, there's an opportunity for Indigenous entrepreneurs from that local region to kick back money back down and build their own economies locally, socially and commercially. It doesn't always have to mean the money but we are human capital for our own people and we need to be mindful of that, that we have a big responsibility to give back to our community. Whether they're young, old, disabled, it doesn't matter. We have a huge responsibility and a huge honour as being entrepreneurs within the marketplace. In regards to yeah, the, the concern around this, all this opportunity has been the growing black clouding. Um, and let me just qualify that if, you, if it's okay uh, for the audience. Is around we have businesses that are seen to be black owned, so indigenous owned, but the strings are being pulled in the capital and most of the control and benefit is actually being provided to a non-Indigenous business partner. Huge, massive issue at the moment, um, and I'm sure no one would disagree with that, but it's also, once again, a responsibility for Indigenous businesses to understand before they enter a joint venture or, or to, a, to a partner a relationship with a non-Indigenous business or another business, is be mature in your own business model. You want responsibility, you want control, what benefit are you going to get from that? If you can't clearly articulate that, I would not suggest you to go into a partnership with a non-Indigenous business, but also be mindful that you are an Indigenous business, and that is your point of difference. Don't forget the goodwill that you're bringing into that. They are engaging with you because you have a point of difference, which is your culture and who you are. Value that. The last piece, brother, if you don't mind me sharing, I'm sorry, I'm sort of going on here. Um, 
is also in regards to, and I go back to the um, just trying to provide social and economic um, value. Sustainable prosperity is one of the terms that's been thrown around. Sustain our, our opportunity um, as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders and also First Nation people in the global village, which is a big focus for my business, around going, look here, it's also about the learning that we provide to non-Indigenous people and people who are not from the culture, but also in regards to the evolution within our own business sector that we're taking on the journey. But it always has to be, from my perspective, driven towards coming from, we came from somewhere, our difference comes from the culture, we need to respect culture mm. in a really, really respectful way and be mindful of where we are and, and where we fit within that as, a, as, as an entrepreneur. That makes sense. And for you, which country or, or nation what organisation do you think leading the charge in you know, Indigenous entrepreneurship and economic development and staying strong to culture and helping out the community? I suppose probably not on, on everything. I think there's different countries and different organisations within our global village that are actually hitting um, each touch points and are just amazing. Some of them are doing without no money, by the way. This is volunteer organisations with no money being actually trans transacting and just using bartering systems from in Peru. I've done research, obviously New Zealand, a really great example. Our, our um, brothers, um, the Maori brothers over in, um, in Aotearoa. Canada, obviously, with the First Nation people, Inuit Indians and various other groups that are over there. Um, but I reckon Australia. I reckon Australia is definitely up there. Which is what the opportunity that's been created is now being seen even from brothers and sisters over in New Zealand going some of the aspects of what we're doing that's really 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 great but once again it's about the within supply chain we use this word called total cost of ownership and what that means is that you don't just look at the tip of the iceberg around your normal costs and how you manage your business and how you add value but it's the intangible value that you actually create with regards to the goodwill you as a person you as a culture which is even more enriching that you can actually add value and understand within your business modeling. And so from that perspective, any First Nation people um, that just haven't been celebrated enough in their villages, in their tribes, wherever the hell they are, they're adding value. And it doesn't have to be in their society, but most of them are adding value just in their families. You know, and that's amazing. Yeah, it's great to see. And, and like you said, you know, a lot of these groups or community organizations are doing it without any government funding and and really creating a difference within the community. Amazing people, yeah. So um, is there any, is there one or, or three business apps or tools that add a tremendous value to your business and that could help um, some indigenous listeners out there? Um, tell you the truth, brother, I haven't been much too savvy around the apps. Obviously, I'm using software, business software, that I have an app application to it, like Zero, which is what I use. And it's really, you know, those type of programs, there's a plethora of them that you can actually use. I use CC card to scan my card, my business cards and stuff on the run as a, as a, as a um, customer relationship management system, um, which is really free and it's really great. Obviously the social media apps, because of um, active marketing and being mobile. So my big thing is around not necessarily just the apps, but me as a mobile indigenous entrepreneur is having a toolkit, you know, having a laptop, having a smartphone, being connected to not just my community, but also obviously within the digital world. But I keep it really, really simple because it's only me that I manage my business. And by adding all the apps and everything that's around you, you have to make sense and make sense of the noise of all the stuff that actually makes sense that you're actually trying to, you're actually achieving what you meant to achieve in your business. 
the gift for us is face-to-face and the engagement between us as, as brothers and sisters. That'll always be number one. But there are apps actually out there. I mean, there's so many out there. Man. I mean, ridiculous. <laughs> it's too many to name. <laughs> yeah, anyway. And uh, so just to sum it up, can you name one or, or three books that could help Indigenous entrepreneurs already, you know, building their business or aspiring entrepreneurs that don't know where to start? Yeah, one book in regards to it is... And it sounds funny, but it's a, it's a kid's book, Other Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. It was a, a book that I actually bought for uh, my kids and I actually kept it. Um, it's all ready now, but you know, it's about seeing that you may be facing some challenges now, but where you can actually achieve stuff is had a powerful message for me. And that sounds crazy, I know, but um, amazing, amazing, amazing book. The other book in regards to it is Leadership Styles of Genghis Khan. So full on what he did as a warrior. So the you know, we as First Nation people, we, we warriors, our men, you know, men and women are, are warriors in their own right. And um, what he did around culture and how he actually tied it into his leadership style, even though he did some really gruesome things, his intention was always about the people. Always, always about the people. Um, and then the third book was, if I can add two more books, was one was Nelson Mandela's autobiography. There's a number of them out there. All of them are great, great value. Grow the Freedom, all these other ones. Once again, someone who's come from a really 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 powerful place of you know destitution and what he did with education to what he did as a leader within his community was and his visionary aspect and then the last one is how to start a business for dummies great book sounds a bit silly mainly when you've got an academic background like a lot of us will, will have a really great leveler and a really great book to read as well amazing um. <laughs> Gotta check out that Dr. Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Maria, uh, thank you for your valuable time and insights on Indigipreneur, which is going to help other Indigenous entrepreneurs overcome their obstacles and impress on their entrepreneur journeys to you know, help themselves and their communities and um, achieve business success. So, thank you. Yep, thank you. This was the Indigipreneur podcast. An Indigenous Entrepreneurship and Economic Development podcast which aims to promote positive change within Indigenous communities.